What's up and welcome back to Joygasm where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360, and with me is my brother from the same mother, Steve, Xbox Live, Steve Bitch. As we ping pong our way through episode 55 today, January 13th, 2018. To get the most out of Joygasm, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on joygasm.tv and soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv. Also, for some exclusive access and some goodies that are quite sweet, check us out at patreon.com slash joygasm. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review. It helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. We have a ton to talk about on this particular podcast episode. I know I, for one, am very much uh, excited. I think Steve may just be as well. Gaming news includes Nintendo Direct Mini Conference, Microsoft's achievement overhaul, and Sony's console sales numbers. Movie news includes Ridley Scott's and Disney, Deadpool 2, John Wick, Wonder Woman 2, Black Panther, and a solo Black Widow film. Technology news. I know those kind of come and go at a rare instance, but we have one for you here. It focuses on the new Sony 4K projector. And our topic of the day today is the Overwatch League. But first things first, Steve, how you doing? Russ, you said ping pong earlier. I like to think of it as... Pinball. You know, you like to think of it as uh, jib jab? Nah, not necessarily jib jab. For tat? No. When we're going through the episode, I I see the little silver ball that you have to pull the lever back and pah! Send it flying and then it just bounces all over the place and all these points and stuff happens and lights blink and and you don't know what's going on, but you're excited. That's how the show is, Russ. Did I ever tell you which pinball machine is my favorite? Terminator 2. No. X-Men. No. Spider-Man. No. Tron. No. Which one? Medieval Madness. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than that. Uh, why, Russ? Why? I played that game for the very first time back when I was working at Maxis. We were working on The Sims 2. And there's a break room where uh, Will Wright the owner of Maxis actually had quite a few different types of arcade cabinets and pinball mm. machines. And so I was able to start playing that. And it was the great thing was that he had had it set up so that you didn't have to pay for it. You just Wait, played for free. He had games available to play at a game studio. Amazingly. So <laughs> yes, unbelievable. It's kind of one of those things you just kind of <laughs> have to have do tell. So anyway, during my breaks, I would go in there and just start playing it. And it was filled with such character and personality. I mean, you would love it. It's right up our alley in terms of just this funny, charming, silly type of of pinball machine. And so it had like a huge castle with a drawbridge that actually would uh, raise and lower. It would have goblins and trolls that would, oops, sorry. (laughs) Microphone trolls. I hate when that happens. (laughs) They would actually uh, emerge from the, the base of the, the the actual floor of the pinball machine itself. And so you got to hit them. And every time like the ball would hit their face, like, Oh, that's not very nice. You know, just (laughs) like fun little things like that. And they had some other little goodies in there too. There was just a lot of different well thought out 
pieces that that made up this thing and it was great just just to play and the further you got it had kind of one of those like orange and black lcd screens and so it had some fun animation stuff that would happen it was just a blast to play did they have any like volley of arrows that would be like shot at you I don't know if they had any kind of arrows, <laughs> like physical props, but like they did have stuff like that on the LCD screen that would occur. <laughs> It'd be funny if all these like these little miniature like staple size arrows went <laughs> and like hit you. <laughs> you're like, ah, tickles. Well, it, the sound effects actually were really, really just yeah. high production value in this, this pinball machine as well, which I mean, I suppose a lot of the different pinball machines that have come and gone they do rely more heavily on the audio. Like Terminator 2 was actually, that was high on the list. You were not right. far off because I did enjoy that as well. But this one in particular just had all of those medieval sounds, whether it was like the swords clanking or even like, you know, you enjoy playing Clash Royale and it has all those fun little Absolutely. like yeah. kind of sounds. <laughs> Imagine that, but then just really bumped up more notches because there's just more space for that sort of right. thing, more opportunity. So right, right. Yeah, I'm glad you liked my little intro there, Steve. Yeah, I just like pinball. You know, I miss pinball. Pinball is classic. It's timeless. It's something that you can just play whenever. It doesn't matter when it was made. It's just a fun apparatus. Except when the ball goes like right down the middle and 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 fl- and goes by all the flippers. Like no, 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 no. You have to, like jiggle the machine. Come on, dunk, yeah. dunk, 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 dunk. <laughs> <laughs> Try and like move the ball to hit the flipper. Yeah, that's yeah. when it really got fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then you have to call the technician out because yeah. all the it, instrumentation was all out of whack. It cheated me. Yeah. <laughs> I want my token. So, yeah, right. I highly recommend that. I was not sure if you've tried that game, but it's, it is quite fun. Pinball is actually something where some people might think you played one, you play them all, but you're like, oh, no. Oh, they could. There's different levels of fancy. Let mm-hmm. me tell you. They do, and they really do have some of the contraptions that you you see them come up with. You're just like, that is really fun how the ball like goes around this railing, and then it comes down and activates some sort of switch, and then like there's like this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on, but yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> well, and the other thing too is that it's I have heard because I don't personally own any pinball machines. I'd love to be able to get like a, a, a version of yeah. I was gonna say like <laughs> bucket list would be to get myself a uh, medieval madness pinball machine. But searching on Amazon medieval times, I just wonder pinball. who do you contact? Yeah, and it's not like you just call up like a plumber. You're like, oh yeah, my sink isn't working. Go over here and fix it. Like pinball machines are kind of more of a niche market. I guess yeah. you say. It'd be expensive to maintain. Yes. But anyway, back to you. Oh, right. Yes. What have you been up to lately? What have you been watching? What have you been playing? Well, Ross, the only thing I've been playing is Forza. That's because uh, while the, the, the Forza-thon comes on, I, you can do certain things to get free cars. Oh. I'm all about the free, Russ. Free 99. The freebies? The freebies. The swag? Yes, sir. The loot? Indeed. So uh, that those will last about the weeks. Every every like week or so, there's a new Forza-thon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this one, <clears throat> they have uh, a Lamborghini. Ah, Lamborghini! Hey, so, but one of the one of the most expensive cars is the uh, the Sesto Elemento. Ooh, the sixth element, which you can win. 
in the game, but you you have to own the Lamborghini Centenario. I see. First, and that's like a two point five or three million dollar car. So it's like, ah, I'm not gonna get that one, Rose. I'm glad that you're getting as much play as you are in that game. I have a lot of cars. I don't. I bet you have way more than I do. Yes, I do. But I'm so I, you. I, uh, yeah. Come out and look at my digital garage, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. If only game credits can be transferred to real life. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So uh, I watched the uh, next episode of The Punisher. I continued that one. I'm so glad that you brought that up just because I totally forgot about that show. I've had did. so many other things that have been going on. Anyway, continue, Steve. That is definitely a binge watch. So like you can't, I don't, I don't think it's, it's good to time it out like we're doing yeah. like waiting for the next season. I think you have to you have to watch them pretty like one after the other. Yeah. But that it, it's 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 good. It's it's not great, mm-hmm. but it's good. Yeah. So then I started watching more Longmire. I'm in season 3 now. Wow. How many seasons did you say? Five seasons? I think there's that was told there was five, but on IMDb it said it was six. So, who knows? Okay. Maybe they're making it a six. I don't know. Who cares? So they've got you hooked. Hey, it's it's a nice Netflix and chill show. But there's, I'm starting to notice some mistakes that they're doing. Like, uh, you know, they're they're sheriffs, right? So they go into a crime scene, and then mm-hmm. like they just start touching everything with their bare hands. Like sometimes they'll put gloves on, but not every time. I'm like, come on, guys, just put some gloves on. Like, really? Yeah. One detail. But the 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 sheriff, I'm like, where where am I? Where have I seen that guy before? Like, I've noticed face. I have. I can't place him. So I did, I did a little bit of digging. He is Agent Jones from the first Matrix. Now, Agent Jones, Jones right. He was one of the backup agents. He wasn't... Uh, oh, okay. He yeah. He, so the was cl- he the burly one or was he the petite one? Uh, the burly one. Okay. So he's the one... He's the one who says, he doesn't know. In uh, the Matrix, I, th- I think he, I think that's right. But he's in that classic scene where Neo's un- unloading, uh-huh. and then he's flipping all over the place, and he's the first, and then he shoots Nat back at Neo, uh, and then you know gets him in each leg, and then uh, Trinity goes, uh, "Dodge this, yeah." Uh, that's him, back in the younger days. Okay, so I'm like, yes, I found him. Anyhow, um, let's see what else. Oh. So we were talking about uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh yes, back when uh, we were deciding what we were we we the movies we liked for twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. and it's been popping up on my Facebook feed saying, "Hey, it's all on DVD. Hey, it's out of here." So I put it on my Netflix list, but that got me thinking about uh, the director mm-hmm. uh, and what else he's made, and I got the movie uh, Arrival. I heard about that, but I never saw it. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about it online, so I thought, eh, I, you know, give it a shot. And it's kind of like the you know the aliens come to the Earth kind of thing, and we got to have to figure it out. But it's it's a very sophisticated take on it. It's not like the aliens are here, run for your lives, you know, sort of thing. It's a very philosophical, intellectual take on it. But it is a slow movie. Okay, you gotta have to, you know, you don't, you're not going to be waiting with bated breath for something to you know really happen. So. I always wondered what baited breath smelled like. Mm, like baited with like like earthworm baited mealworms. Take a whiff of what I got. I'll show you. <laughs> it smells like this. <gasps> <laughs> it's quite the pungent odor. 
Let me last saw my microphone here. Hold on a second. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that about does it for me, though. Uh, I'll pinball it over to you. Oh! <laughs> I've had a few things that I've been dying to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. The first of which is, uh, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild. That game has really sucked me in. I know it did. I just today actually tamed a horse. <laughs> I was out in one of the fields and I saw a horse that spoke to me. Not literally spoke to me, but uh, there was a herd of them. And I thought, you know what? I like that one. Is it a stallion or is it a pony, Rose? It is. Oh, no. He, he's very much a, a wild stallion. So it was, it was cool because mm-hmm. I had to try and tame it. And I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about the game is just these things that I normally at first glance, I don't think I would think would be that fun. But then as I'm going through, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I have to sneak up on, you know, behind the horse and then I have to mount it. And then the horse, of course, is freaking out. I'm trying to soothe the horse and tame it and whatnot. And it bucks me off. I have to try it again. You have to, you have to earn your, your initial trust with the horse. Kind of like in Red Dead Redemption. Exactly. Very much so. Mm -hmm. The animation, by the way, on the animals in Zelda are terrific. Whether it's the horse, I came across a dog. It was belonged to someone else. It was one of the tavern folk. But like, I was like, man, that's a good looking dog. And the way it was just emoting and doing its little idle animation or whatever. It was just really great. Mm -hmm. And there were some frogs I've come across too that were just like, wow, that's cool. So definitely appreciate that. But yeah, just just <clears throat> little things like that that I'm I'm doing in Zelda. In Zelda itself, and I know I've I've said this before, it's just it's not a game that is is too serious, but it is a game that just really rewards you for your your exploration, your your desire to want to see what's around the next bend, around the next corner, that sort of thing. So right. highly recommend those of you who have not played Zelda to give it a shot because I'm just I mean, it's like I now have my Switch by my bedside where I, I'll play it for like an hour each night before I just go to sleep because it's just, <laughs> man, it's just so fun to play. Does your wife look at you, roll her eyes, and then roll back over it? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, babe? <sighs> She's just Good like, night. oh, nerd. I'm like, <sighs> I was on the way home from the jobby job. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Anyway. I listen to classical music on the way home just because I've been listening to phones ring all day long. That's right. That's right. Anyhow, uh, so then I saw on Pandora, it came up with the uh, Zelda song. I forgot exactly what it said. It was scrolling really? across the screen. Yeah, and I didn't, obviously, I didn't want to. I want to look at the whole thing while I'm driving. Hey, Zelda, as I'm driving 65 <laughs> mile an hour down the highway. 65 or... 90 miles an hour. Anyway, um, <laughs> give or take 30 miles an hour. <laughs> so, uh, but I, but I wanted to tell you because yeah, I know you were playing the game. Yeah. It was, uh, I, that, that was telling me that you were playing the game this week. I really can start to see why this game got game of the year at so many different places, just because everything from the, the UI layout to the map layout, the gameplay mechanics. I was talking to some of the guys at work just this past week about how it's difficult for, to, to adequately describe this, but as you're playing the game, you're, as you're, I don't know, it's like, it's like you're moving through and you're doing certain things and it's it, it's open world. And so mm. it's not like it's a linear based RPG where like as you're playing it, you you go from 
point A to point B to point C. Oh, you go here next, and you go here next, yeah. and you go here next. Here's your medieval, medieval GPS. Go follow this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, there, there is a map, and there is, like, the main story that you, you can go for, but I've just been having fun just going wherever I want to go just because I, I just enjoy the, the exploration of it. But it's not... It doesn't end there. Like, I think that there is some very sophisticated, well thought out game designs when it comes to where everything is placed within this world, because literally like you, like you'll be going a certain direction. And then for some reason, like all of a sudden I will have, I don't know, a desire or an inkling to go this particular direction and go down a bend and over like a cliff or something and just see what's going on. And then all of a sudden there will be another type of scenario or situation going on. And I've heard from other uh, players who have already beat the game. They talk about how there is kind of like this, this ramping of difficulty. So like you could totally go in a direction that has just the end game there, but then you'll just die pretty much instantly because you're just, you're just not leveled up enough for that. But I love how there's no barriers. Like you could just, you could do whatever it is you want to do. And I was thinking about how, like just, just in terms of laying all this stuff out in a map, it's, it's crazy how they were able to. And I, and I, I do not, I honestly think that this is not by any accident. I think this has been methodically just, iterated on as they were making this map and building out all the pieces to it, just like what would cause you to go over this ridge versus down this trail? And if you decided to go over this ridge instead of down this trail, what could we have for them over here versus what could we have for them down the trail? Or if they decide to double back and they go back this way, what else would be there that perhaps wasn't there when they initially went by that particular area? Just things like that. That's kind of the best way I can really describe it. But I, for one, really enjoy it because I've never had almost that that proactive sixth sense, like that, like that gamer sixth sense of like going somewhere and then getting rewarded for it in some way, shape, or form. I just, I just, I just think it's super cool. I have one question for you: How's the horse's tail animation, Russ? Both. Mm. I'm gonna sneeze. Hold on a second. Uh, it's coming. Uh, <laughs> Got it. That was a good one. I did the whole werewolf thing, like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll huff it, I'll puff it, I'll... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> anyway, both of the, the tail animation and the mane that goes along the neck of the horse, really well done. Like, when you first get the horse, you have to hold on to the mane itself to direct it. And then when you get to an inn, you oh. can actually pay for some um, proper, I don't know, saddle and reins and stuff like that. So. That's got to suck for the horse. He's like, oh, my well, hair. And it's interesting that you say that because the horse doesn't like it. And you, <laughs> and so what you have to do is you have to soothe the horse, which means that you have to sit there and pet the horse sometimes because the horse will get a little agitated or whatever. And what's interesting too is that the control that you have over the horse is not very acute, I guess you could say. It's just, it's very rough and you know, I'm trying to get it to turn left and it's kind of turning left, but not really. But then once you, you purchase a proper saddle and, and reins and that sort of thing, you get, you get your horse initially equipped. Then suddenly I, I instantly noticed an improvement on just being able to turn the horse much easier. So, yeah. Cause I remember when you're playing the wicker that, uh, you would constantly <laughs> mention about how I can't stand that animation with the, the tail of the horse. Oh. 
It was one of the very few <laughs> issues I had with the game where like as you're you're riding a horse in The Witcher, it just had this like really stiff tail animation that would always kind of buck to the left. It was just ugh. yeah, I didn't care for that at all. But see, the old small details like that where it's, where you know where the wind will blow or when you start accelerating in speed or momentum when you're running, yeah, your hair is going to fly all over the place. Right. <clears throat> I had the same issue with Forza Rust because my main character, since all the dudes... Were there lots of horses in Forza? Yeah, no, 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 no. All 540 of them? <laughs> since all the, since all the uh, selectable dudes in the game look kind of odd, mm-hmm. I, I selected a chick. And yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, and so I put her in a convertible and like her hair is like perfect, like just down. I'm like, why can't her hair just blow in the wind? Yeah. Like, because I mean, she's flying at 150 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour, and your hair is perfectly down. Like, right. why can't it just blow in the wind? That'd be so cool. Yeah. Outrun style. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Outrun is a good game. It's just definitely one of the arcade classics. Indeed. They knew how to do it back then. They can't do it now. Now, I've also been playing The Last of Us for uh, PS4. I got I bought the the remastered edition which I've mentioned the last couple of episodes, but making my way through that again, the story is such a strong pillar to this game. I can see why all the PlayStation fans out there when they were playing Last of Us, they're just like, "Wow, this is like seriously a life-changing game." IGN actually gave the original Last of Us and the remastered a 10 out of 10. I know. Now, are you are you twitching this, Rose? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. I probably should. I, I probably should because we normally we we just kind of limit it to Wednesday nights because we're both here and it's fun to be able to to banter back and forth. But maybe I'll just I don't know. Like if I'm playing it, I guess I might as well get on there. Hey, why not? Why not? So. Don't want to get into the the details of it just because, first of all, you at some point should definitely play the game. It's definitely cool. Yeah, I'll just borrow the whole entire system. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I've also um, purchased Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 to go with my Uncharted 4, which I have not started yet. So I'm, you know, it's also, I'm I'm just in this naughty dog phase right now. I'm getting through it. I have all this hard drive space. Yeah. (laughs) What am I going to put on it? I'm going to buy lots of games. So... Earlier this week, I took the wife, and we went and saw I, Tanya. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was unaware that this movie actually came out in 2017. It actually came out on um, December 22nd, I think it was, like well, just at the very end there. Thinking that we're only 13 days into the new year, Rudge. <laughs> Most movies did come out last year. You have got to see this movie. This movie, seriously, both my wife and I were just floored by the end of it. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Like, I, I wish that you and I went and saw it because it would have been fun to do, like, a proper review of it. But Margot Robbie, okay, first of all, I've already been a Margot Robbie fan ever since I first saw Wolf of Wall Street. And then I saw Suicide Squad after that. I thought she made a fantastic, she was, like, the one redeemable thing about Suicide Squad. Because she just, she just played a phenomenal Harley Quinn, but playing Tanya Harding in this movie, she's she's just electrifying. Like like you are blown away as a viewer, just like watching what's unfolding. And really, it's not limited to just Margot Robbie, but also kudos to the entire cast and crew that were a part of it. Because it wasn't some huge big budget film; it was something that was very character focused. And so you had I don't know maybe five or six characters that were 
kind of the, the, the basis of the, the entire film, but man, it like totally brought me back. Cause if you recall the whole Tanya Harding incident mm-hmm. with the, with the winter Olympics took place around like 1994, I want to say it's either 94 or 95, somewhere around there with like the Nancy Kerrigan thing. Mm-hmm. This film actually starts back when Tanya Harding was like three or four years old. And you see like what happens. And what, apparently the director went and had these, these actors as well as himself interview right. the different parties involved. Yeah. So it was like Tanya Harding. It was her uh, divorced husband. It was the bodyguard, you know, quote unquote for, for Tanya Harding at the time. It was also like they interviewed someone from hard copy, went back and <laughs> hard copy was like, in it's big heyday. They interviewed and they interviewed Tanya Harding's mother and all of which were were performed by these actors that did such a superb job. I I could not believe it. But like the biggest thing about the film for me personally was that it caused me to have just a huge myriad of emotions going through it. Like, like there were several instances where I actually felt sympathetic for Tanya Harding. There were instances where I, where I felt disgusted and it was just, it reminded me of just that, that whole situation. It also, um, it made me think a lot about humanity and about like, just like you have to understand back in the day, no one thought of any kind of drama going on with figure skating <laughs> in the winter Olympics. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden this story breaks about how Nancy Kerrigan, you know, got attacked and like some guy like beat her leg or whatever, almost broke her knee and, and how she was still able to win a silver medal. And then there was this huge drama unfolding about how Tanya Harding and her husband were somehow involved with it and, you know, so on and so forth. And so it was crazy to see this, but I mean, you watch as how Tanya Harding had just a brutal life growing up. And I don't want to like just go into too many spoilers, but just the relationship she had with her mom, you know, her mom was one of the the types of parents that it kind of reminded me of the Jacksons back when, you know, Michael Jackson and Jackson five, how their father really pushed them into entertainment at a very young age. It's kind of similar in that sense where like the mom was all about getting her into competitive figure skating and she got started when she was like four years old. It was just crazy. But anyway, you see this whole thing take place and you're just shaking your head at like how the stupidity of some of these people are. Like, I didn't even know that Tanya, did you know that Tanya um, was born and raised in Portland, Oregon? Yes. You did? No, you didn't. Actually, I think I did. Yeah. Really? That, that sounds familiar. Yep. I had no idea. But anyway, the film really does a great job of just just going through this timeline of, of what happened, who she fell in love with, some of the trials and tribulations of being a, a competitive figure skater in the Olympics and whatnot. Like one of the, one of the little things that's not really a spoiler. She designed a lot of her own costumes that you saw right. her skate in. I didn't know that. I figured those things were provided by whatever, like the U.S. Olympic team or whatever it is. But no, like you actually see scenes of Margot Robbie with like pins in her mouth and she's like stitching on sequins and stuff and doing her own thing. And then, you know, that actually impacted some of her her scorings just because of, you know, they they do this whole like, well, well, how well did you skate and how was your visual, you know, your visual appearance? All about presentation. Absolutely. So... Needless to say, it's not a film that got like a lot of like just heavy marketing attached to it or anything, but 
you've got to check it out. Like easily four stars. Ooh. I would say probably if I had to think about it, I would say I would give it four point five out of five stars. If I thought about it with the left side of my brain as well as my right, yeah. <laughs> if everything was working the way it's supposed to. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've been dying to talk to you about it just because. I, I mean, I, I was interested in seeing it, and, and so was my wife. But but we were, t- I mean, the whole drive home, we were just absolutely just nonstop talking about it. Hmm. And just days afterwards and everything else. And so it's, oh, it's so good. So good. So good. On a completely different note, this is also <laughs> something that I thought was really fun. What? More I, finger I, skating? I, I want you, no, no. <laughs> I want you to uh, indulge me for a moment. I found these guys. Um, they call themselves Instalock. And they actually have a Patreon page. Of course they do. And they they specialize in doing a lot of um, spoofs on, on different songs. And, and they, they attach kind of a gamer um, theme to it. So, like, one of their big things is that they like doing Overwatch songs, mm. and so they'll have certain characters, and they'll, they'll take, like, a, a currently trending or, or famous uh, pop song or rap song, hip-hop, whatever it is, and they'll put it together, and then they'll actually come up with their own lyrics for it, and just it's just a, a funny kind of thing. So, there's one that they did, and I, want, and I just, you know, I want to uh, give them uh, props for this, because I, I thought, man, this is, this is pretty fun. This is a pretty cool thing. Not to mention the fact that, you know, they're on Patreon. We're on Patreon. And it's always good to spread the love. Yeah. So um, one of their songs that they did, and this came out actually in 2016. So this is nothing uh, bleeding edge new. But, um, you know, the Justin Timberlake song that he did for, for the movie Trolls, where it's, uh, I think it's called, I like, Can't Stop the Feeling. I can't stop the feeling. Yeah. No, I don't. I haven't heard it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they did one called Can't Stop the Healing. Oh. And it's based on Mercy. Nice. So I thought it'd be fun to play it for both you and for the listeners as well. It's not that long. It's only a couple minutes, but... Uh, a couple minutes, Rush. Why don't we give it a little bit of a listen? When I am queuing up on my own There's always that one role that no one ever goes Cause PSing is all they know while the game screen is reading no support heroes when it starts raining barrel rockets we'll be there to drop the beat and if the team's white light and ulti will bring them back Ooh. it's hard to win a game without to lose to yos and yada mercy we don't need six offense heroes to attack and during the fights when your hp is low we'll let you die
different types of little lyrics and stuff they put in there that have to do with the game and playing as mercy and some of the frustrations you have and some of the things you could expect. I don't know. I thought it was really clever. Pretty clever there, Ross. Oh, we also played Cuphead this week. Oh man. Why don't you, why don't you tell them about that, Steve? Oh man. I tell you, I I love and hate that game, but uh, (laughs) the the animation, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, it's so rewarding. I, I don't think advancing past a, a, a boss or or a new level in a, in a game is as rewarding as it is with Cuphead. With Cuphead, there's this excited, s- silent scream that we both do in in the in your media room. Yep. Try not to wake anybody up in the house, but at the same time, trying to loud as, as, as low as we can. It's like you want to flip the couch. You're oh, so man. excited. I just want to do like just somersaults and flips on your couch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I flip it over. Uh, bust out the nipple tassels. Wee! <laughs> 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 Rain confetti everywhere. But we got further. We did. So I don't really know how many little boss battles we have left. But, I mean, we are, I feel like we're, we're getting into a bit of a, we're near say? the end. We're near completion. Yeah. Like the ball has begun rolling. Finally, it was like stuck in the mud forever. And now we're just like, okay. You beat the, uh, the honey level, the honeycomb skyscraper. Empire yes. State Building thing. Friggin' finally. Stung that queen bee. And then um, there was that water level that we beat. Uh-huh. And then uh, there was that 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 rat and the cat boss. Oh, yeah. That one was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. The rat was in the can and bouncing back. Well, not bouncing, but like trying to ram us over. And then yeah, <laughs> the huge cat that explodes through the, uh, the wall just took us. I love how like the final stage of each one of these boss fights, you just don't know what to expect. And you see it finally and you're like, what is happening? Yeah, this is insane. Well, I, we're almost at the finale, though. We're looking for coins because there's a few things we still have to buy. <laughs> I uh, get it. I like looking for coins. <laughs> I have a metal detector. I like to snap. <laughs> we still have to go uh, into South Park. We still have to play that. We still have to finish Evil Within. Oh, there's a ton. There's oh, an absolute yeah. ton. Like, anytime we start talking about this, there are always like three or four titles that I forget that, oh, yeah, we're in the middle of. So, yeah. We just got to twitch a lot more, Russ. However, I have a good feeling about Cuphead. I think the Mm -hmm. fact that we have a momentum on our side now, I think that perhaps maybe one or two weeks um, are left and we'll be able to actually put that one to bed. That would be great. And for those of you listening, too, we've been playing on hard difficulty. We haven't been doing the easy route. I mean, that's Uh just... We ain't a bunch of wussies over here. <laughs> <We're> veterans. 
<laughs> may take us about five times as long to beat the game <laughs> until you everyone gets bored. Yeah, right. But people are like, man, they're still talking about Cuphead. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important also, um, just changing topics a little bit here, to remind everybody that round three of the SNES Classic oh, yes. giveaway is currently live. It's going on. The uh, pinned tweet has been pinned and tweeted. So you can find it if you just go to twitter.com slash joygasmtv. Switzer. And um, Steve, please tell them again. What exactly could they win? You're going to win the SNES that I waited in line in the rain for. You're going to win the, uh, what is this? You're going to win the, uh, the, the, the art catalog, the superpower art catalog. Exactly. Playing with superpowers, what it's called. Uh-huh. And you're going to win the uh, wireless controller. That you, you know you want because the, the cord's only like two it's feet It's wireless long. and it's a controller. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, if you don't want to sit three feet from your TV and play, then you're going to want this. Now, once again, I wanted to stress that this book is really, really cool. The whole Now You're Playing With Power. You have Realizing the 16-Bit Dream. It's a nostalgic celebration of the Super NES and all its 16-bit glory. You get to learn about the console's development, history, and ongoing legacy. So they have a bunch of fun little graphics on here of like the different um, schematics and blueprints and stuff of just the different concept ideations of how the system itself will look. You, know, you see that right there, Steve? Mm, I see it right, right there, Russ. Yeah. There is also a robust gallery of some of the biggest Super S or excuse me, Super NES fans out there showing their love through their art, music, and communities, which is pretty slick. There's also everything you've always wanted to know about the most beloved first-party titles, including the previously unreleased Star Fox 2, which is pretty cool. So a lot of uh, art assets, visual content, and stuff like that in there. So also, too, this is something I just realized, is that in addition to the exclusive forward by Reggie, um, there is also this e-guide that apparently includes... We could use that. Let's see here. Bonus speedrun videos. Mm. Use the enhanced e-guide on the go, all optimized for a second screen experience. So if you're on a tablet or smart device, mobile phone, you know, that sort of thing, you can also enjoy what they have in this book. Mm, I like that stuff. This is the ultimate fanboy package right here, Russell. It really is. And so... Just uh, as a reminder as well, uh, in order to enter, you have to um, retweet the uh, pinned tweet. You have to follow us on Twitter, as well as subscribe to the Joygasm YouTube channel. Mm. And you must do all three to be entered you know, officially into the giveaway. Otherwise, you're going to forfeit. You're not going to be able to actually uh, win it. Very, very easy steps. Exactly. And the last day to enter is February 9th. And we'll announce who the winner is here on the Joygasm podcast on February 12th. Mm. Right after so, my birthday. Right after your birthday and right before Valentine's Day. That's right. A lot of love in this package, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, lots of uh, joys to be had during your gasms. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Won't go there. Won't go there. Mom, what's he mean by that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, nothing, nothing, Tim. Timmy. <laughs> Anyhow, did you have any uh, other pressing things or should we just get into some games? Hey, I say we uh, we pinball, as the word of the day uh, may have it, on to other things. The phrase of the day. I hear that. I definitely hear that. Well, to kick things off, 
there was the Nintendo Direct Mini. Uh, I guess you can kind of call it a conference, but Nintendo released a Nintendo Direct Mini this morning with a handful of new games headed to Switch. Everything shown today is slated to arrive on Switch within the next few months, painting a picture of what we can expect from the first half of 2018. Within that, uh, it looked like there was Dark Souls Remastered that would look pretty interesting. I personally have never played Dark Souls, but I know there are fans out there and they just love the hardcore aspect to the game. In addition to that, 2018 will include Kirby Star Allies, which I personally am looking forward to, Bayonetta, which I've played on the Xbox. There's also Bayonetta 2, and there's a new game starring Yoshi. Fans can also expect continued support from major publishers such as EA, Activision, Ubisoft, Capcom, Sega, Take-Two, and Bethesda. So there's a lot on the horizon, and I don't mean Zero Dawn. Meh. Or the Forza. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. The word horizon is, is starting to get used, isn't it? New Xbox achievement system. This is one, Steve, I'm curious to get your little thoughts on. Better not be any uh, just mediocre participation awards, Russ. Give me something good. Well, it could include levels, quests, and avatar loot. How about that? A new system called Career could be added to Xbox, adding leveling, quests, and loot for avatars sitting alongside existing achievements and gamer score. Windows Central reports that it has received documentation showing that Microsoft is currently testing Career, which seems to, you know, kind of act as a companion piece to the overall achievement system. Well, that's the way I figured it would be from the get-go. Uh-huh. I mean, if you get an achievement, it's like, ah, oh, congratulations, here's 100 points. I'm like, okay, well, I get 100 points. What can I use with them? Oh, you can brag to your buddies. Oh, <laughs> well, that just kind of takes the fun out of it. You know? <laughs> well, it does seem like like it's now is kind of the, the appropriate time for them to do a phase two of the achievement system. Because when achievements came out, like that was just a, a really big deal. I mean, we all, I don't know. I To this day, I still love when that little thing goes and like has a little animation and says, oh, blah, blah. And you can tell the developers had some sort of clever line. That, that, that acts as the title for that particular achievement, but completing achievements will contribute towards your gamer tags level <laughs> and leveling up rewards players with loot boxes containing cosmetic items for their Xbox avatar. Players can apparently even prestige in this system. Career will apparently also include quests, which rewards players with more XP and loot boxes for doing specific things, such as playing a, spe a specified game. Going by the documentation, it appears loot boxes cannot be bought with real money, which I like. I like that a lot. I don't want them to go on that, down this path of just trying to once again, uh, I don't know, eke as much blood out of the stone as possible of like, oh, you want loot boxes? Oh, it's going to cost you money. And it's by <laughs> chance. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> I can see that being abused really easily. <clears throat> anyway. PS4. Christmas 2017 console sales surpass 5.9 million units. Alex Osborne reports Sony has announced more than 5.9 million PS4 consoles were sold through to consumers worldwide during the holiday 2017 season. The company also announced that as of December 31st, 2017, total global sales of PlayStation 4 eclipsed 73.6 million units. PS4 console sales reached the 70.6 million unit mark in early December. 
Additionally, over 55.9 million PS4 games were sold during the holiday season. That is a lot of games across the world in retail stores and digitally via PlayStation Store, making for a grand total of, get this, 645 million games sold since December 31st. Sony also announced the number of PlayStation Plus subscribers have reached 31.5 million. PS4's performance over the 2017 holiday season is slightly lower than the year prior as console sales during the 2016 holiday season reached a total of 6.2 million units. But I gotta say, congratulations to Sony. Those are some impressive numbers. And that's about it for that we have for gaming news, but we, I must say, have a plethora of movie news. To kick things off, Wonder Woman 2 will be totally different from first film, director Patty Jenkins says. While speaking to Entertainment Tonight at the Palm Springs Film Festival earlier this week, Jenkins briefly discussed her vision for the anticipated DC movie. The director is treating Wonder Woman 2 more as a completely separate film rather than a sequel, but Jenkins has also reassured fans Wonder Woman 2 will still maintain some of the things people loved from the first movie. Jenkins also revealed there's a possibility of including Linda Carter, huh? Huh? who portrayed yeah. Wonder Woman in the uh-huh. 1970s TV show. Maybe she'll be in the sequel. Jenkins tried to get Carter actually in the first movie, but it didn't work out due to scheduling issues. But it makes me wonder if it is to be believed that Wonder Woman 2 will take place more during the Cold War, like 1980s style. What kind of visuals can we expect? I think that whole thing started uh, with... James Cameron and uh, Patty Jenkins going back and forth. Uh-huh. That whole debacle. Head grief. Egg on your face. How can we smooth this over? <laughs> How do we make this go sim- away and never surface again? Simpatico. John Wick. Love me some John. Do you like John Wick? Yes, but I like John Wick driving his Mustang. Actually, no, I, I, I like John, I like all of John Wick. But, I mean, I, I want him in his Mustang more. Driving and shooting instead of just shooting. Oh, oh. But, you know I mean? but just as a character. The world of John Wick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wick TV show, The Continental, being developed by stars. If you, re- if you recall, The Continental, I believe, was the hotel that he stayed at. That's right, Russ. Or, wait, 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 hold on a second. Uh-huh. Was it the hotel or was it the faction that he belonged to? I thought it was a ho- I think it was the hotel. The hotel. We're gonna go with hotel. Oh, we're gonna go with the hotel. That's uh, that's what I'm banking on. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think it's the hotel. Anyway, can I have hotel for five hundred, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's therapist. Anyway, a little SNL anger for you. Uh, did you ever see that? By the way, what? Did you ever see the SNL Jeopardy? Mm, I think I did, but I. I- no, where, no, no, I didn't. Oh, man. That is your homework, man. Will Ferrell as uh, Alex Trebek. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. He is so funny. And they had some other people, too, playing like Sean Connery. and I saw a classic Burt Reynolds SNL recently, which, which had Christopher Walken uh, in it and Creedence Clear, Clearwater uh-huh. with the cowbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that happened also, too. Is that the one with uh, Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken, yeah, yeah. He's like, fellas, fellas I, yeah. I got a fever. <laughs> and the only cure, oh no, the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he starts banging the cowbell like right in the guy's ear. <laughs> and you see like his sweatshirt's like kind of coming up. You yeah. see his gut. <laughs> yeah, yeah hairy awesome. gut, yeah. 
Anyway, we're totally off topic. Getting back to the John Wick TV show, uh, Stars and Lionsgate are developing a John Wick TV series titled The Continental. Stars announced at the Television Critics Association Winter 2018 press tour. The show will be set in the John Wick universe and take place in a hyper-real version of Los Angeles, with the story focusing on the inner workings of the Continental Hotel. Stars promises the series will maintain the same fast-paced action and dry humor from the first two uh, John Wick films. Speaking at the TCA Winter Press Tour, star CEO uh, Chris Albrecht said that the show and the movies exist side by side and noted that, quote, it's unclear what Keanu's role will be. The show is not designed to have him in the lead, but we're very excited for it. In oh, come on. But again, I think that this headline is worth talking about just because when we saw chapter two of John Wick, we were talking about how could they expand this world because it's begging to like just have all these standalone stories of different types of assassins and just what their origin stories are, what exactly is their motivation for existing in this world, what are their relationships to the other assassins. I mean, I think that if Stars does this correctly, this could be a really great show to check out. I posted the story on Facebook and I said that this is the only way, or this is the best way that this scenario could could have happened because the way they ended the second movie, I mean, anything goes. Your guess is as good as mine, yeah. So uh, it, we could have had a plethora of movies, or we could have a really good TV series. Yeah. My only thing is that I wish it was on Netflix because well, I don't have the stars package. I have Netflix. That's true. Although when it comes out on DVD, since I get them by snail mail. I'll still be able to get it, Russ. Hey, there you go. I'll come over to your <laughs> house and we'll sit down with some popcorn and watch it. Hey, Russ, y- you never come over. You want to come over and watch John Wick with me? Okay. <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, is I hope that they find a way to be able to, I don't know, bring in the, the movie component. So, like, if they have, you, you know they're going to do, like, John Wick Chapter 3. I'd love for the TV show to be able to somehow bring it in, like, Marvel kind of does this, but I feel like like they haven't gone far enough. I, I'd like to see a bit more of the two just having the symbiotic relationship. It'd be really, I don't know, more of a, a fun user experience, viewer experience. Mm. This next headline, oh I, it, it makes me it makes me a little conflicted, Steve. Mm, that was a, that was a conflicted sigh right there. Warner Brothers CEO says DC Films can't try to copy Disney. Warner Brothers Entertainment CEO Kevin told the rap Warner Brothers, quote, can't do what Disney's done, end quote. He said while it's, quote, worked really, really well for them, it's not who Warner Brothers is. Quote, we need to continue to create a balanced slate of all types of movies and all genres, end quote. So while I can appreciate the fact that he wants to be original in all senses of the word, this goes back to what I've talked about in the past, which is just, I think that Disney and Marvel have perfected the idea of you have a grouping of standalone you know, superhero films that give plenty of opportunity to, to explain a backstory for a particular character, then do the big tent pole where you have the big group of tent, you know, team come together and uh, take on whoever the, the latest big baddie is, and then you know go back to the standalone films, rinse and repeat. For whatever reason, they just seem to be dead set against doing that sort of thing. And I just, I don't know if there is a better option, given the fact that 
they're basically the same type of approach. They have their own list of superheroes. Instead of the Avengers, they have the Justice League. What do you think? You know, I'm good for whatever. I just want them to clean up their act a bit and just make some great superhero movies. Don't go the comedy route. You know, whatever formula that works for them works for them. Just make it make it good for the fans. Well, and DC is more serious. They're darker that, than, that's than, what that, yeah, than that's, Marvel. That's why it didn't make sense with this last one, how them to just kind of goof around a bit. Yeah. And no, bacon, no Ben Affleck. Get him out of the formula. Speaking of Marvel... <laughs> Deadpool 2, New Mutants, Gambit release dates changed. I like Gambit. The Hollywood Reporter reports Deadpool 2 will now be released in theaters on May 18th rather than June 1st. So a little bit earlier. Mm. I like it. Puts it uh, opposite Sony Pictures' Slender Man, which I don't really know a whole lot about <laughs> at this point. That's probably you. But it you're, does. You're the Slender Man, Russ. <laughs> I wish I was a Slender Man. I'm getting there. I'm working uh. on it. Uh, it actually also puts it one week ahead of Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm. So a little bit of the own strategy at play, I believe. Oh, oh you're going to really say it? Okay. Well, we're here and make our money. Timing is everything. Meanwhile, New Mutants, which Fox previously had slated for an April 13th release, will now hit theaters, or I'm sorry, not hit theaters until February 22nd <laughs> of 2019. They're like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> With many estimations expecting the Fox-Disney merger to take about 12 months to be vetted and either approved or denied, it is unclear what would happen to New Mutants should the deal close before its release. And last but not least, Gambit, which I've been pretty interested in too. Like, yeah, bring it out already. It's been kind of come and go in terms right. of the, the news. But lastly, Gambit has been pushed from a February 14th, 2019 release to a June 7th, 2019 release. So it's been delayed. Reports earlier today announced director uh, Gore Verbinski, who he directed, if you recall, the the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Hmm. Uh, apparently he left the solo Gambit film, but um, Channing Tatum is still attached um, to star as Gambit. So, and he's, uh, the jury is still out <laughs> on that. I'm not hmm. sure how he's going to play Gambit. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's, I hope it's great. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm looking to see what he can do, but um, I'm trying to speak here, Russ. Can you, can you <laughs> blow out your nose excrement some other time? Please? I'm sorry. I'm congested. Eh, it's this room. I tell you what. Oh, here we go again. Um, <laughs> I'm just crying because uh, Gore Verbinski left. <laughs> That's my. That's your nose. That's your nose. That's crying. That's, that's gross. <laughs> I started thinking about like how can a nose run and feet smell. Ugh. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so I always, I, I always see all gamut from the from the comics and the cartoons, and um, I don't know the, the facial and the body structure. I, I don't know. I just I can't see Tatum doing it, but I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, if he can do it, he can do it. Are there any films that, that you are a fan of that you liked that Channing Tatum has been in? Um, I mean, there hasn't been really any, been much that I have, I've seen with him that was bad. It wasn't like I would recommend highly to you know folks go see. But I mean, he, he's he's decent. I mean, he can act for sure. But there, there was a, a Wolverine movie, I believe it was, where you had someone playing Gambit. I believe it was Taylor Kitsch who was Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. 
Yeah, yeah that, that is correct. I thought he did a pretty I, slick I, job. That is right, correct. Yes. Like, like, I would love to see him come back and reprise that role as Gambit. Was that the second Wolverine? It, I don't recall, honestly. I think that was the second Wolverine. That was the one with Will I Am in it, also. Well, Will I Am was uh, somebody else in there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving right along here. Uh, Marvel's Black Widow solo movie. This is also news to me. Uh, lands a writer. Marvel Studios is reportedly moving forward with a standalone Black Widow movie uh, with Jack Schaefer on board to write the script. According to Variety's sources, the project is still in the very early stages of development and has yet to be greenlit by the studio. While a Scarlett Johansson-led Black Widow film is not yet a done deal, excuse me, attaching a writer to the project is the first major step forward in the movie becoming a reality. I think that if they were to do this, the smart money would be on doing an origin story of Black Widow, like going back to Russia, showing how she got that red in her ledger, so to speak. I, for one, especially, actually, Jennifer Lawrence is in some sort of film coming out soon. I think it's called Red Sparrow. That looked really good. And it, and it takes kind of that, that similar premise of her where she's like some sort of elite Russian assassin that comes from this group that gets trained. Like these girls get trained at a super young age. Have you seen the trailer for that? No, but I've heard the lineage uh, comes from the Black Pearl and Jack Sparrow. What? This was a stupid joke, Russ. Anyway, we move on. <laughs> <laughs> I totally Ty, was, tying the whole entire Disney like yeah, you know, like, in there. Was yeah, Marvel. What else? What uh, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Black Panther. Here's some fun news. Beats Fandango MCU pre-order ticket sales record. Ah, I heard about this. Black Panther has has set a new Fandango record as the top-selling MCU film in the first 24 hours of ticket pre-sales. Fandango managing editor Eric Davis revealed on Twitter Black Panther sold more advanced tickets in one day than the previous record holder Captain America Civil War. Though pre-sales have been great, it remains to be seen if Black Panther will repeat Civil War's $179 million opening. The third Captain America film went on to gross over $1.2 billion worldwide, and it's because that was a great movie. Indeed. I actually go back and forth as to which one I like more, Winter Soldier or the third Cap, the, the um, Civil War. There's there's bits and pieces to like about both. I might I might go more towards Winter Soldier than Civil War, but um, there, there's a bunch to like about both movies, for yeah. sure. Yeah. This is more of a TV thing, but I, I thought it was worthy of mention. The Big Bang Theory, which I and the wife are huge fans of. Season 12 is likely its last. Young Sheldon renewed for season two, which I don't watch, but the upcoming 12th season of The Big Bang Theory may be its last. Uh, while speaking at the Television Critics Association Winter Press Tour, try and saying that three times fast. Via TV Line, the Big Bang Theory star Johnny uh, Galecki revealed that the cast and crew feel season 12 would be a suitable time to wrap up the hit comedy show. However, nothing's officially confirmed just yet. This is a TV show that you actually, Steve, at some point, it'd be awesome for you to start at season one and just work your way through because it's it's just seriously a great... Did you, did you watch New Girl? Never. Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. We started watching both of these shows kind of around the same time, and they both have this 
style of humor that just I don't, it's just it just works really well. I've seen quite a few of the Big Bang Theory. Um, oh, you have? Yeah, they uh, a lot of folks when I used to work at, at Target, they would play it in the uh, break room. Oh, okay. So I, I I mean it's it's entertaining. It wasn't I didn't think it was hysterical. The but. cool thing about the show too is that regardless of whether you're just following it chronologically or you're just throwing in an episode onto the TV and just playing it in the background. It's one of those shows that you can play in the background and it's just great. You can go off and do something else. It's like the show Friends. But, Very much but, so. But, but for geeks like yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, finally, last but definitely not least, this got also uh, my interest peaked. Ridley Scott may direct Disney's Merlin saga. Nice. Variety reports Scott is in talks with Disney for the Merlin saga, and it may be the filmmaker, excuse me, filmmaker's next project uh, with Philippa Boyens, who from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, pinning the script. Ooh. Scott's production company, Scott Free, is also in negotiations to produce the movie. I think that that... That's a good recipe right there. Uh, that, that is a very good recipe. While not much is currently known about the Merlin saga, it is said to be based on T.A. Barron's novel series, which follows a young Merlin becoming a mentor to King Arthur. It is one of two movies Disney is currently developing based on the character, with the other one being a live-action remake of 1963's Sword in the Stone. Oh, that's a good show right that there. That right there. Uh, I'll tell you what, love me some Sword in the Stone. <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite Disney animated films, The Sword in the Stone. So good. Didn't we uh, do some impersonations of Sword in the Stone on a latter episode? I think we did. Yeah, the whole chipmunk scene. Oh, and yeah, and the, uh, <laughs> the, with, the with the birds and the owl. Archimedes. Archimedes, yeah. Yeah. No, we did. That was that good. Was awesome. Well, that's about it for movie news. However, we do have one story oh, from technology. Cue it, DJ. I think is worthy of mention. So the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, uh, is going on currently. And Sony announces, get this, hmm. a $30,000 4K projector. Hmm. Sony Electronics has announced the 4K Ultra Short Throw Projector, which is also known as the LSPX-A1. Not saying that three times fast. Yeah, exactly. A new projector that joins the company's Life Space UX product line. The LSPX-A1 will be available for purchase in the United States this spring with an expected price of around $30,000. When positioned 9.6 inches from your wall, this device delivers a native 4K resolution image with HDR that is 120 inches uh, diagonal, of course, in size. The projector can also reach a brightness of 2,500 lumens. Now, I'm not too much of a projector pro, so I'm not sure kind of what the going standard rate is of lumens with older projectors. Do you know anything about that? You know what? I knew you were going to ask me that question. I'm like, oh, what was it? Because I used to, this was my bag back in the day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know anymore. <laughs> okay. oh, oh, yeah. I, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the projector features technology that builds upon the glass sound speaker to deliver, quote, crystal clear, high frequency sound at 360 degrees by vibrating the two organic glass tweeters installed on the front legs, end quote. 
Three mid-range speakers fill the room with sound, while a separate subwoofer proves dynamic bass. Uh, I, th and that part too, I'm kind of floored about because I don't really think that there are projectors that also provide that level of sound. Yeah, I, I mean, for 30 Gs, I would expect something to do, you know, something better than 4K. So if it's sound, yeah, I just, that must be a big projector. Because it's gotta be. It, you, in order to produce quality sound, the speaker has to resonate somewhere. That's why all the speakers that you get have some sort of custom cabinet that they come in because it, the reverb's back there and that's how they project outward. So if you have a box with all these different circuits in it and, and lenses and whatevers and whatnots, it, it, it'll do sound either way, but like good theater quality sound. What's up now? Yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's tough for me to even, even wrap my mind around the idea that like, what is generating your picture won't be vibrating or causing like exactly. sort of tremors with the, the picture quality. Right. I don't know, but maybe it's, apparently they've got it figured out. For 30 Gs, it better not have any of that. For 30 Gs, I'd like to have a 6K projector. Seriously. How, why stop at 6? Let's go to 8. Indeed. The device can be connected to an array of 4K streaming devices and comes with a controller with minimal buttons. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's one button. And one button that activates, <laughs> activates the touchscreen, which there's 30,000 buttons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where all your 30 grand is going toward. It also features a, quote, premium furniture-like design with a marble top. Ooh. <laughs> Half mirror-finished aluminum frame and wooden shelf. Oh, well, that's $20,000 right there. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> how about we just take that part out? <laughs> now, how much are we talking about? Like 10 grand? How much just for the parts? Yeah, exactly. I'll assemble it myself. And that is about it for technology news. And now on to the main event, our topic of the day. Cheers, love. The cavalry's here. Winston reporting. Justice reigns from above. Junkrat primed and ready. Lucio coming at you. Form up on the payload. Move it out. Nerf this. Come out and face me. I am ready to revive you. Our topic of the day is going to be about the Overwatch League. And this got launched. How much tell about us? Uh, and actually, I, originally I thought it was launched this week, but I am mistaken. I am mistaken. I'm too busy playing uh, The Last of Us. Exactly. <clears throat> but um, they had a preseason week that, that uh, transpired first. And then went into so anyway, Blizzard has launched this latest hoorah, which I am very excited about just because... I, along with you, are big fans of Overwatch. Liar! No, I'm just kidding. And so it was cool to see kind of like, <laughs> I, I was curious what they were going to do next after the whole like winter wonder, I keep wanting to say Wonderland, winter winterfest or wonderfest. And so this is the next big thing that they've done where if, if you go into the Overwatch game, you see that they have a, a new main menu there and, and there are various Overwatch characters that have different types of team colors and team names that are kind of etched on mm -hmm. the, uh, their outfits, their respective outfits. So, and you get a hundred uh, coins. 
I don't really understand that. I don't know. Do you know how to yeah. earn more? Uh, no, I don't know how to earn more. I was looking to see how I can earn more. Uh -huh. um, but you can spend it on a costume. There I say, like corresponding to what team, what what mm -hmm. competitive team you like or you follow or whatever. Yeah, that I thought was pretty fun just because if there's a particular team that you're rooting for or there's a, a particular player that you really like, you can go in there and they have like every single player's name listed that you can just choose from. And I mean, it's no different than people who like football or baseball or hockey or basketball, any other kind of sport that... Uh, actually requires physical activity as opposed to esports but still like i mean you know if you want to square yeah you want to buy a jersey or a parka or whatever it is you know so i think that that's pretty fun but it's like, i it's like wearing your air jordans but on overwatch yeah <laughs> i will say that the the jerseys that all the players are wearing I, I think they're designed by blizzard those are actually pretty cool like even though i'm new to the scene mm. like just just from a, a pure design standpoint it's like all right yeah that's that's not bad who'd you choose russ what do you mean who did I choose? For, for your for your colors my colors on oh, your for your character your hundred coins has to be I spent. I haven't made a decision yet. I don't know. <laughs> there are quite a few players in there. I mean, the, the team colors, of course, are just... They are what they are, but I don't know. I, I have not made my decision. Have you picked one? Yes, I have. Oh, what did you pick? Um, I picked the... Uh, good grief. It was the Houston team. The Houston. H Houston. Uh, it's the Houston team. The Houston team. And uh, I went through it and... Uh, there, there's a trim level. The Houston Outlaws. Thank you. Yeah, I saw it in my mind. I'm like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's got a bull and star. <laughs> Two guns that yeah. look kind of like a bull. And they put horns <laughs> on the end. I'm thinking cowboy. Cowboy out west. Uh, law something. Laws that are out. I don't know what it is. <laughs> in-laws. Houston in-laws. <laughs> For some reason, that doesn't sound edgy <laughs> enough. Yeah. Hi, we're here to compete for Overwatch. Who are you guys? Just, what's your name? Oh, we're the in-laws. The yeah, Houston yeah. in-laws. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so which uh, player name did you go with? Uh, well. And I, why? I didn't go with a player name. Okay. But the entire team with their, their trim for every all, the, all of the, uh -huh. the characters fit. Perfectly. I was going, mm, McCree. Ah, mercy, that looks great. Oh, really? But I went with the Reinhardt. The Reinhardt looks incredible. Does it? It uh, It looks like, uh, I don't know if, if uh, listeners will be familiar with Qzar, but it looks like a Qzar. Like laser tag. Yeah, laser tag version of Reinhardt in uh -huh. a way, but not with black lights, but with like a neon green and a carbon black. Right. Awesome. I'll take a look at that. I honestly have not taken the time to look at each and every one. I just figured... Yeah, they have the team colors and they have like the, the player's name somewhere on the character, but maybe they actually did vary and change up some of the, like where the colors rest on the character and that yeah. sort of thing. So that's cool. That's cool that you picked one. I will have to do the same. I think the first thing that I really want to stress about this is that while the esports platform is nothing new. It's been around for a while now. And Blizzard is definitely one of the pioneers of this where they have Starcraft and Warcraft. There's also 
Riot Games with their League of Legends. You have more and more of these companies that are starting to, to come forward, even with the first-person shooters, too. I mean, you have different types of championships that go on. But what I think is interesting is how over the years, like you've seen this be, begin to really catch on. Like the, there's more and more attention being spent and more money being spent for this particular platform. And I think it's gaining steam, especially like, like of course, South Korea. I mean, South Korea is hugely into esports. In fact, I was watching a, a video documentary the other day about how the players there are actually treated like celebrities there. Was it by Vice? I don't remember. Because I, I saw a documentary also about uh, that Vice did. And yeah, they went there and they're like, I mean, you see these gamers and models coming on to the yeah. gamers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, gaming is just the, the largest form of entertainment, I think, over there. And it's interesting because that clearly is not the case here yet. I mean, they're... You have different teams from different parts of the United States as well as other countries, and they're coming forward and, and having fun and doing their thing, but it's still very much like, oh, so you um, you play eSports. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and, and you just have to kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, bro. Shake your head and be like, uh, never mind. <laughs> What's it to you, bro? But the eSports. Yeah, eSports, bro. <laughs> One of the, the stories that really caught my eye was that for this particular um, go-through, so to speak, basically with Overwatch League being launched, Twitch, which, of course, I mean, we all know Twitch is just this, this platform to be able to broadcast yourself. And it's been really neat to be able to see how different people have leveraged the platform. So, I mean, obviously you have your gamers that will be on there and they'll broadcast themselves playing and they'll have audiences. There have also been um, several creatives that have actually decided to get on Twitch and use it as a, a, a means to be able to showcase what is they, that they do, whether it's 3D modeling or um, some sort of arts and crafts thing or, I mean, just, and that's not limited to that either. I mean, even people playing more, um, traditional games like people who are in the D&D they use Twitch as well it's not even a video game you're watching people roll the dice you know and just playing those types of games as well so it's interesting to see how Twitch is beginning to expand into these different areas and be used for quite a few different types of scenarios that honestly begin to reminisce uh, um, or not reminisce but represent more of kind of what YouTube has become where like YouTube's a one-stop shop for all of these different types of needs and searches and that sort of thing. I don't think that Twitch is at that level yet, but it's definitely expanding kind of in that, that similar direction. One of the biggest stories that, that relates to Overwatch League is that Twitch buys exclusive Overwatch League streaming rights for a reported $90 million. And I don't know about you, Steve, but this brings new meaning to uh, the term payload, if you know what I'm saying. Oh! Ah! Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Twitch has secured the exclusive rights to live stream the Overwatch League's first two seasons for a reported 90 million bucks. In a press release, Overwatch League described the deal as historic, saying that it ensured that every match of the world's first major global city-based esports league will be readily available for fans across the globe. So $90 million is a lot of money, especially considering when 
I think that a lot of folks, um, it, kind of more the the mainstream people, when they when they kind of look down on esports, it's very telling. I think to be able to see, it's like wow, like Twitch is seeing the the massive amounts of potential for just what this could become, what kind of success could be had with it, and probably seeing the numbers as well grow exponentially over the years. I mean, just, just for two seasons, $90 million. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. What do you think? Uh, let's make it 91, Russ. 91. Just make it, actually, you know what? Let's just make it even 100. You know? mm-hmm. None of this, uh, oh, it's 90, but it's not quite 100. No, just make it 100 million. Why split you know? hairs? I know. I know. Well, Twitch will be the exclusive streaming partner of the league, presenting every match in English, Korean, and French. Viewers will also be able to earn rewards. Check this out for watching, including in-game items. So it's kind of neat that they're actually having some uh, interactivity with the viewers as well. It's not just a, a passive thing. Right. Yeah. Now, on the first day that Overwatch leagues uh, began, they said that the viewership peaked at right around four hundred fifteen thousand viewers. Which again, it's not like you have like twenty million people tuning in, but again, also the Overwatch portion of esports is brand new and esports itself as a platform is still pretty new, all things considered. So, I mean, once again, solid numbers. I think that it's, it's clearly got a ways to go for sure, but man, not too bad. Which ways would you like to see it go, Russ? How would you like to see (gasps) what you've already seen evolve? What I appreciate so far when watching it is I really appreciate how Blizzard has gone to great lengths in terms of the presentation. The production value of this is actually, I mean, the the, the stage, the lighting, um, the different types of um, art assets and designs that get composited onto the different screens and whatnot. You said something else. What did you think I said? All oh, the hard asses and then, and, and, uh, <laughs> like, all right, Russ, I didn't catch that, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Dewey, did you grab my ass? <laughs> Sir, from where I'm standing, that's a physical impossibility. I know your tricks, Dewey. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I think that it, it, you know, I tip my hat to Blizzard for for actually taking the time to be able to do what they've done so far in terms of the production value. You can tell that like they have big plans for this. They want to be taken seriously, and very serial. I think yeah, I'm super serial. Thank you, Al Gore. Yeah. I think that it's going to take time. Like I said, in terms of the mainstream, I, if, if I were to compare this to say like the comic book industry, right? The comic book industry for the longest time was this niche kind of thing. You had a certain crowd that was into it, but it didn't hit the mainstream. The mainstream was not into it. And then once it went into the movies and even at the beginning, it wasn't quite as big. I mean, yeah, you had like the, like the original Spider-Man movie that came out and that was a, a big uh, success. But as a whole, there it took a little bit of time for it to uh, pick up steam. And now we're in this golden age of these comic book movies that have come out and the mainstream audience as a result just absolutely love it. And, you know, all the comic book nerds who typically would have to be like 
you know, just hiding their, their hobby, so to speak, or whatever, and, you know, that now they can talk about out in the open. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's a fun time to be a geek, right? I think that, that there's something that is a bit of a parallel with this in the sense that typically the, the word sport is requires sweat. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it's synonymous with, with some sort of physical activity fatigue. I mean, even like croquet, I mean, like, there's still some sort of level of physical activity to that. So Even, like, thumb wrestling, Ross. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know. dude, totally. <laughs> Give me in that badminton. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that in terms of the esports entertainment platform, I think that that there will probably be a bit of a, of a pendulum shift in the future. It's not here yet. Mm. But... From what they've done so far, I mean, I think they're making all the right moves. I definitely appreciate the different sports casters that they've had um, talking on the show. They've done a really nice job of just coming across very professional. Actually, they have. Yeah. I mean, at first, I'm like, man, those guys sound almost as if uh, they've sucked back a few Red Bulls, but they'd have to in order to compete with <laughs> and describe all what's happening with, you know, 12 players on screen. Yeah. You know what I'd like to see, though, Rosa? What would you like to see, Steve? Sometimes when uh, either my internet or the uh, <clears throat> the Overwatch server boots me off for no apparent reason, mm -hmm. um, and I have to come back and death spectate, Yes, I can choose which character I want to spectate from. Uh-huh. What would be really neat, Ross, is if uh, from the game, let's just say, we can link onto the webpage and it would allow us somehow to jump between what character we wanted to follow. That would be cool. That'd be freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Because right now, I think, um, you know, whoever's controlling the camera or whatever is is uh, eyeballing from a way high view of, of what's right. about to happen that's going to be intense. And then they'll go, okay, switch to this one. No, switch to Diva, switch to McCree, switch to... But I still want to see what's happening on on different sides of the map, and it's hard to to to, to capture yeah. everything that's going on. That's a great idea. That that would be super cool to be able to have some sort of high level interactivity that for, that the viewers could engage with. Just to your point, being able to switch on the fly between characters because that is something that we are locked into in terms of the sportscasters that the, the commentators that are talking. And, get, and providing us with information as to what's going on at any given moment, we are locked into the characters that they are interested in. But, yeah, I think that that would be fantastic to be able to have some sort of technology in place where you as a viewer, while you're hearing them speak about whatever's going on, be able to click through and see what's going on and, and as a result, get like just real-time vantage points of what you're personally interested in. As a side note... Uh over the summer, I was uh, I, I clicked onto this uh, this guy's YouTube channel. He goes by Rejected Shotgun, and uh, he was talking That's a fun about name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he mentioned that uh, one of his little inside sources, which I, to my knowledge is credible, because he's he's predicted some stuff would happen in the game, and they did come to fruition. Uh -huh. Anyway, he was saying uh, someone in, in Blizzard, Scott uh, Mercer, I think his last name is. That name sounds familiar. Um, they're working on a replay feature to where if you go, man, that was a clutch game. Let's go back and look at it again. It, it's, and you would, it wouldn't be your perspective, but you could go through the map and watch the whole entire battle take place from mm. different vantage points. Kind of like they're doing here 
But I, I think this was real time. That wasn't like post game that they went back and, and showed everything. But I they had certain segments where like once the whole round was over, yeah. they, they had like little instant replay parts, which they actually slowed down to show what's going on. Which, yeah. And that was something I thought was fun. Uh, so I wonder if they're testing that feature out for the regular game. Possibly. One of the other things that I really appreciated too about what they are doing on the show is sometimes they will have a screen that is kind of a, a bird's eye view. It's a top-down view of just the entire map. And then you have these, these little circular icons that represent each player and where they are in relation to each other on the map. And I think that's a, that's a, a nice vantage point because sometimes there's so much chaos yeah, on right. screen. You're like, what? I know the immediate vicinity of where they are on the map. However, I don't really understand like, like where is, where is everybody? Like, right. what is the positioning? What is the strategy? You, you actually can gain a lot of information based on that top view. Right. So one of the things I, I thought would be fun is to actually go through and list the team names. Cause these, these are fun. You have the Boston uprising from Boston, Massachusetts. You have Dallas fuel from Dallas, Texas, Florida mayhem from Florida, obviously <laughs> from a, uh Florida. Yeah, Florida mayhem <laughs> from uh, Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have the uh, Houston Outlaws, London Spitfire, Los Angeles Gladiators, Los Angeles Valiant, uh, New York. Oh, man, this, this word always trips me up. Excelsior. Ex Excelsior. <laughs> New York Excelsior. There we go. Sorry about that. Philadelphia Fusion, San Francisco Shock, the Seoul Dynasty, and the Shanghai Dragons. So pretty fun names. I, I think that they they just fit kind of that persona of like a sports team. I must say I I like the the uh, what was it the London Spitfires. Uh huh. That's freaking awesome. Their icon's actually super cool too. It has a. Just the Spitfire from World War II. So awesome. British plane, yeah. And the San Francisco Shock, and you see the, the lines that they have? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, okay, like earthquake like, kind of thing, but, yeah. But in a way, it kind of resembles the, the, Golden, the Golden Gate, Gate Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they were creative. They look good. Yeah, they all look pretty sweet. My two teams that I'm kind of rooting for, and it's just because we grew up and also live there, is uh, the Dallas Fuel and the San Francisco Shock. Those are the two teams that I'm just... I'm, Doing my little like, yeah, I hope you do well, dude. <laughs> hey, it's my homies up there. Go uh, team. Uh, sort of. Go team, go. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other thing that's worth mentioning is the fact that while we were watching some of these rounds going on, we discovered that there are several people on these different teams that actually are from different parts of the world. It's not like you have people like on American teams that are just from America or just from Korea or what have you. But actually it's, it's, it's a bit of a cosmopolitan setup where you have, I think it was like, it was either Dallas fuel or, or San Francisco shock. It was, was um, one of the other teams, but you had somebody who was like from South America. You had someone who was from, um, oh, I can't remember somewhere in Asia, I want to say, but like, very different. It was, it's almost like the Olympics in a way, you know how, like, like back in the day and in, in the, um, kind of the, like not heyday, but just the, the old days <laughs> of uh, the Olympics, it was very much like you have 
people from that country born and raised there along with the coaches. I mean, everybody who made up that team is from that particular country, but then there were some rules that, that got updated and changed. And so suddenly you could have a coach from a completely different country come and coach your team um, to be, to be in order to try and win the gold or silver or bronze, whatever it is. And actually there would be certain people from also, um, different parts of the world who would just go and get like a, I don't know if it, if it, if you needed to get like a, a citizenship or, or something equivalent or close to that. But there are people who've actually switched countries in order to have a better chance at also winning the gold. So it's pretty interesting. This is obviously is not like an Olympic level, but they are adopting some of those same principles. You know what? <clears throat> going back to my, my last question, what I what I'd also like to see, or here, is uh, I'd like to be able to s- switch between if I wanted to hear the team chatter, yeah, or uh, listen to the the, moder- the the mediators. Uh-huh. Because I mean, even though the mediator is doing a great job, sometimes it can be funny, or it could be actually improve your own game to see, listen how the team is communicating with each other. Absolutely. Um, I mean. There's been plenty of times where you and I have gotten frustrated and blurted out, you know, whatever. And sometimes <laughs> it's it it's actually ends up being a different fun part of the game is the frustration. You hear like fifty percent of the commentary from the players are like, <laughs> "I need healing." Yeah, I need healing. I need I need I need I need I need I need yeah. healing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I would say that if they did that, they probably would have to hold off on releasing it until after the championship is over, just because you know True. there would be people from opposing teams who would want that information. Yeah. There's a whole lot of strategy that's going into that, but I also wanted to disclose the the schedule. So this is, I was under the initial impression that this was only going to happen for just like one week and then that would be it. Like they just go through and do their thing. And I was dead wrong on oh, that. No. It's longer. It's, it is way longer. So as I pre- previously mentioned, they had a period of time where they did the preseason where we are currently in stage one. And each stage, once again, to my understanding, is that there are five weeks worth of play per stage. And so right now we are on stage one, week one, and there are a total of four stages. And then once you get past all of the stages, which actually I do like that name, stage. It's just it's very video game-esque as opposed to Mm -hmm. like other types of words they could have used. But... The playoffs will then ensue. And then after the playoffs, you then have the grand finals. And they also have one last section called All-Star Weekend. And I read a little bit about it. It sounds as though it's kind of like this after party, if you will, where like the players just have fun doing what it is that they do. The, the, the championship itself is over with, and now they get to have a good time. I could be mistaken, but I th- I believe that's what it is. So this basically will go from January until June. I mean, it's, it's uh, about, I mean, I guess six months worth of play. So it's very similar to that of football or basketball, just any other type of, of sport that people like to watch. They, they typically have um, a time period that's about that long. So what, do, I mean, what are your thoughts about the, the duration of it? <laughs> Hey man, if you enjoy playing the game, why not? I mean, you're gonna play it either way throughout the entire year, so yeah. Um, more the merrier. That's what I say, Russ. It's true. I mean, I I know for myself, 
I think that I will have fun bouncing back and forth between actually playing the game and then if I don't feel like playing anymore, just watching someone play. I've always wanted to watch people play, but there's not there hasn't really been an option to do that within the game. It's not like I can go in there and go, oh, find a game that I can watch, whatever. You know, it's so it's nice to be able to to take a break and be able to watch and also to just marvel at the level of skill with these people because these these players are like the top one percent battling for the top one percent position. <laughs> it's it's almost too intense for me to handle, to be honest. Um, only because it's it's like chess but Overwatch style. Right. Because if you think about it, when you're watching them play, they're totally aware of the board, let's say, and where their teammates are, where the opponents are, and the behaviors of both what they think they're going to do, mm-hmm. just like chess. And so when you when you see a Widowmaker throw up her hook and already expecting somebody to be at a certain spot, and they are, and they make that decision within a half a second to fire and they get a headshot, you know, um, or... If uh, you know it doesn't matter, it doesn't even matter. It could be like McCree, it could be um, Genji, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, um, it's just <clears throat> an awareness of your entire team and the opponents, and uh, it, it's it's just crazy. Like you're you're already trying to anticipate what the person's going to do and do something before they mm-hmm. do to counter to counterattack. Yeah, no, it's. I remember we were watching one of the the rounds together, and I was telling you how it's crazy. To, like just in terms of relativity just where they're at because in my mind before I was watching this I was thinking oh we're we're going to see some crazy scores that that just are just lopsided and you're going to see total domination that sort of thing and you really don't see that a whole lot in at least on on this uh, initial week of play and I think it's just because once again going back to just the level of, of competition like where you and I are at we I mean we clearly are nowhere near the level of expertise that these players are, but the game pits us against other people of similar skill. And so there is that level of intensity where we just feel like it's just this epic battle every time. And especially when it's getting down to the final 30 seconds or whatever, you have these different types of plays that are just amazing saves or great aggression, whatever it is. And of course, that's not lost on on the the championship, or not well, not the championship, but the league overall. But at the same time, due to the fact that everybody who's playing are just super good at what they do, there's almost like a gridlock mentality that happens at times where they, <laughs> they really can't do a whole lot because they're just so good at like counter attacking whatever kind of strategy the other team is doing and vice versa, that sort of thing. And now I will say that there are moments where all of a sudden there is a breakthrough, there is a flanking move that occurs or an ultimate that is successful, that sort of thing. But it's different in the fact that they, they step it up a notch, meaning you, if someone does their ultimate or like you and I do our, our ultimate, it's to inflict the most amount of damage, let's say. Yeah. But I saw, uh, <laughs> I'm terrible with names. You told me to write it down and I didn't write it down. Anyway. Uh, you know you can't write. This human was playing Roadhog. Uh. <laughs> this guy in front of a computer. Uh, anyway, Person. He was playing Roadhog, right? And um, his opponent was Zanata. Zanata. The guy with the many hands, the thinking robot. Mm-hmm. And he did his ultimate to uh-huh. heal his team. Right. So Roadhog did his ultimate, which inflicts widespread damage, but it also p- 
pushes you away. Right. He used his entire ultimate to keep Zenyatta's ultimate away from healing his team so that his team, Roadhog's team, could still inflict damage on uh, the opposing team. Oh, wow. And I, I mean, completely mind boggled. Wait, how did he push him <clears throat> back, though? His ultimate, when he's throwing out all those uh, the, shrap- the shrapnel, You're right. that pushes you. Oh, wow. And because Zenyatta is invincible, he's not getting hurt by it, but he's still getting pushed. Yes. So he's pushing him away from the payload and away from his team that he's trying to heal. That is a good strategy. I I I never would have thought of that. Boggled my mind. Yeah. Um, And then with some other person I was watching uh, was playing Farah, And she, uh, you know, I'm always trying to do like the environmental kills by doing concussion rocket, knocking somebody in the well, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, or off the cliff from the lighthouse. Right. Well, this person did it to knock themselves away. Right. And I'm like, well, I mean, unless I, I don't know. I, I, I guess you could do that, but I never thought about doing it that way because I always thought of it as an attack more than a defense. Yeah, I've done that sometimes because I'm a big Farah player. Um, and I discovered that too, that that in instances where like, say for instance, Diva is about to do her ultimate, you know, she launches her mech up into the, the air and, and it's about to go. I can twist around and shoot at a surface that's close by my with my rocket and be able to bounce myself away and i would say most of the time i can find cover before the thing explodes and so it's it's a wonderful way to be able to 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 take evasive action um even if it's not an ultimate i mean there are times too where like i'm just outgunned and i have to try and get away so that is a great way to try and uh, prevent myself from keeling over and dying well it's almost like her her, uh, her, what is that? Her, I can't think of the, the ability, but it's her, it's her jet pack. Not just like her, her hover, but when she puts it on and, and launches into the sky. Right. It almost doubles as that. It does. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and like you said, it's a great method of being able to switch back and forth between offense and defense. It's just great. One of the, the matches that I watched was the San Francisco Shock versus the Shanghai Dragons. And that was particularly entertaining just to see how these two teams faced off against each other, primarily because you had a player on each side that loved to play as Widowmaker. Um, And I believe it was uh, Baby Bay and Undead. Uh, Both were just these cunning Widowmakers that just, I mean... I'm not very good. I, I, I suck at Widowmaker. I, I try to improve my skills. I'm just not a very good Widowmaker player. And so it just blows me away when I'm watching some of these players who are just naturals at this character. I mean, they were no scoping people. Even if they were using their scope, they were like falling and jumping and just 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 the, the ability to anticipate where mm-hmm. a character might poke their head out and just, just automatically just go, blow, just shoot them down. I'm saying they both were like just just a treat to watch. I mean, it was just amazing to just to see the prowess just on display there. Also, um, Dante as Tracer dominated a ton on Elios. Elios was just one of those maps that can really turn the tide if you're not watching what you're doing because of that pit and everything. And it was amazing. Like Tracer has always been one of those more um, annoying. Yeah. Fly buzzing around, just uh, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> you trying to swat her all the time. Yeah, I know, Russ. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, she, she's not meant to like actually go in and dominate like a certain area. She's meant to be a disruptor. She's meant to just 
here one moment and gone the next and then come back again. She's a harassment unit is what she is. Right. And Dante really just, man, had control of that whole area where that pit was just darting back and forth all over the place, just keeping the opposing team just on their heels because they just didn't know what to do with them. I noticed that behavior a lot with, with players playing tracer. It was basically like covering the enter the, the entrances and the exits. Mm-hmm. Cause you can get in there and you can get back out if you need defense or need some cover or healing or whatever. So you get in and you basically let the opposing team know, I see you and you, and you're here and everyone can hear tracer fire. Yeah. And so everyone knows, okay, you know, shoot over here. So she causes attention and and um, gets rid of the surprise that the enemy's coming from this direction. And she's back in. So, yeah, she's supposed to be she's a weaker character and she's supposed to be harassing. But she's as far as covering all all the the highways where the where folks can come from. I mean, she had it just tied down. Yeah, absolutely. One of the first matches I watched actually was the Dallas Fuel versus the Seal Dynasty. And that was really cool, too, just because the, the first round, Dallas won. But then ultimately they lost the, the subsequent matches afterwards and Seal ended up clinching that, that uh, victory there. But I think that that brings me to my next um, thought regarding this thing so far, which is looking at the schedule and seeing just what the outcome of the initial matches ended up being. I mean, I'm looking at... How, let's see, San Francisco Shock versus Los Angeles Valiant. You know, it was zero to four. You had the Shanghai Dragons losing to the Los Angeles Gladiators, also zero to four. Though the match I just mentioned, Dallas Fuel versus Seal Dynasty, that was one to two. That was a, a, a hotly contested match. And, it, and I just, I got to say that um, all things considered, I mean, Seal is one of the, the big teams that everybody is looking to in terms of whether or not they can win. So that was a, a, just a, a hot match to watch. And then, of course, Thursday had the London Spitfire versus Florida Mayhem, in which London won. You also had Philadelphia, uh, excuse me, Philadelphia Fusion versus Houston Outlaws. Philadelphia came away with a win, three to two. Boston Uprising against New York Excelsior, in which case New York beat Boston on that um, three to one. And then uh, you had Friday, Los Angeles Valiant was playing against Dallas Fuel, uh, in which they they beat just actually they had a shutout, so it was just three to zero. And once again, same day, Florida Mayhem versus Boston Uprising, another shutout, zero to four. Um, and that was, of course, in Boston Uprising's uh, favor there. San Francisco Shock was back in. This time they had a, a W to place in their slot, three to one against uh, Shanghai Dragons. And then today was London Spitfire doing a shutout, four to zero against Philadelphia Fusion. New York Excelsior against Houston Outlaws, three to one. And finally, Seoul Dynasty coming back in with another shutout, four to zero against the Los Angeles Gladiators. So one of the things I'm noticing is just there's not like like a um, any kind of consistency that I'm seeing. I mean, certain teams that out you know early on out the gate of this week they would lose. All of a sudden they would w- come back and win. And I'm just I'm curious to see as this goes on just the overall chart of like where we started and the whittling down of, of different teams that um, have certain amount of wins versus certain amount of losses. I mean, it's just, it's interesting to see kind of the dynamics. And I feel like there is a bit of a, I don't know, like, like, like there are certain attributes at play, whether it's perhaps (laughs) something as simple as indigestion that causes them to not like play as well, or maybe it's stage fright because these are, 
folks who are not used to playing in front of lots of, of folks or maybe they didn't get some good sleep the night before. <laughs> it just depends. But I mean, I think these, these are all kind of global universal. That would have been me, by the way. What? Not getting good sleep the night before. You're like, oh, guys, <laughs> count me out. <laughs> but we didn't bring a substitute player. I can't do it. I can't. I'm just going to sleep on my keyboard. <laughs> Hearing you snoring over there. Yeah, we've lost a player. We've lost a player. <laughs> <laughs> Drooling on my keyboard and on my mouse. Yeah, exactly. So out of the, the 12 teams, the current standings as of just this week, and again, this is just the, the first week. Or there are five weeks per stage. The uh, teams that are in the top tier are Los Angeles Valiant, London Spitfire, Seal Dynasty, and New York Excelsior. They're all two wins, zero losses. So, mm. But again, that could totally change as the weeks go on. So it'll be fun. And actually, if you guys want to check out more details, Blizzard has done a great job. If you go to overwatchleague.com, they have everything here from the teams to the, the individual players and their profiles, the schedule, the standings, stats, different videos and highlights from the, the various matches, news. You can even buy some cool Overwatch League gear. Do they, do they show uh, some of the other teams that maybe didn't qualify? I am not sure. I mean, the, they have the 12 teams that are, right. are competing uh, for this and this, this particular season, but cause that would be cool. I mean, if you arranged a, a team and actually a, a applied with blizzard to do this, but maybe you weren't as good or, you know, you didn't qualify for the, for the pre gaming stuff. Um, I don't know. That just kind of need to get some little bit of recognition that you, you give it your all and you've been playing overwatch for a long time and this is a sport for you. And I don't know. I'd be curious to find out what the process is because my, my initial, assumption really is that I don't think that Blizzard creates these teams. I think that these are pre-existing teams that are from their various areas and they've been able to to cultivate a bit of a a following, following as yeah. well as e even just just rise through the ranks as they're playing through. It could very well be though that Blizzard contacted these various teams just based on what they're seeing from their their data mining going on from the game and then move on from there. I'm not exactly sure. What I do know though is I did a little bit of research on what goes into this and there's a they hand out minimum base salaries of $50,000 per player with I believe full health benefits there. You also get life insurance and also during the actual season, which again, it's six months, it's half of a year. Blizzard will pay for your room and board. So you don't have to worry about any kind of expenses with regards to that. I'm not sure about food that you may have to cover your own food, but it's a pretty sweet deal. Thinking that that's basically your office manager job. Oh, imagine you being 18 years old. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you have a passion for games and not only do you have a passion for games, but you also are actually just amazing at playing them. You're, you're a great Overwatch player. And, and again, this is not limited to just Overwatch. Remember, there are other games out there that have their own championships and whatnot that go on. You can earn some great money. I believe the prize for this one is $125,000. But again, that can grow too. I think that other... Um, championships that reside within esports as time has gone on, they've been able to get more sponsorships. And as a result, the over 
all prize money just keeps getting higher and higher to the point where it's kind of like, man, I need to start practicing. This is crazy. I need to stop playing with the kids and start playing some Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it gets a little uh, unhealthy. It's like, hey, Daddy, will you play with me? Not now. Not now. I need to make $50,000 in the next six months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, for one, am very much looking forward to seeing how this whole thing plays out. I think it, it's, like I said, I think Blizzard has done a, a tremendous job with the entire presentation of the Overwatch League. Mm. It definitely makes me want to check out some of their other championships. I, I have friends who are like diehard fans of like the StarCraft uh, championship and the, the the whole season of that and League of Legends, that sort of thing. But for me, I, I was never really into that into it that all that much. But Overwatch has just always fascinated me. And, and so I'm as a result, I'm going to give this one a shot. You know who is into uh, League of Legends though, Russ? Oh, big baby moose. Is he a league? Is he an LOL fan? He's a, he's a lull. Ah. Ross, let me ask you something. Yeah. In your uh, countless hours of watching uh, countless <laughs> Overwatch League, <laughs> did you notice any pattern with the character selection people were choosing there, Ross? Hmm? The only thing that I noticed was that uh, most of the players would not stick with the same character throughout the round, that they would actually, at different points, all of a sudden choose a completely different character and a different class. It would, like, they'd, go, they'd go from a support unit to um, a tank unit or like, you know, just go from DPS to EPS. It just depends on, on what it is. But what, what are you getting at? Um, I was I was noticing a lot of of um, Orisa use, I w and we've been talking about like you know Orisa, you know this, the rest of that, right? And how Doomfist has gotten popular, and people have gotten pretty skilled with Doomfist pretty quick. I didn't see Doomfist once. I didn't. See, that is very true. I did not see anyone playing as Doomfist, nor Torbjorn. I didn't see a single Torbjorn. I didn't either. No. Now that it may be that due to the map selections they have just realized that those particular characters don't excel as much right? as opposed to, to other. I mean, like like if you did Capture the Flag, for instance, like I would think oh. Torbjorn would totally be like a go-to character. They need to have a league with Capture the Flag. Mm, CTF. Oh, man. That would be freaking awesome. But no, it's very true. I mean, the, obviously, like the characters that I saw on just about every round, there was always a Widowmaker. <laughs> there was always a Diva. Yeah, Divas. Orisa. Genji's, McCree's, I saw a lot of those. McCree's, yeah. Everyone's got to support, you know, some rather, mm -hmm. or multiple. Um, I saw a couple of Soldier 76s in there. Soldier, yep, Soldier 76. A lot of Pharahs. Pharahs. You know, I only saw a few. I didn't see a, a whole lot in there. Roadhogs. Roadhogs, I saw some. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, we always say that we... We have to stick together as a team. This is a team-based game. Absolutely. And then we always just rant and rave and moan about people who just... Cuss. Yeah. <laughs> One-man army at all the time and end up making the whole team fail. Uh -huh. And then you see the people who are competitive and everyone's like within three feet of each other at all times they and totally communicating. Were. And like, this is how the game is supposed to work. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah. And that's a great uh. observation is just the fact that round after round that I was checking out that you never saw anybody be foolish and, and just dart ahead or if anything, just, if anything was dart away. 
Yeah, but even so, like they, they didn't dart so far back that they were just not helping their team. They, there was always a radius that was there that they were able to just dive back in and do what they would need to do. But absolutely, both teams, didn't matter which round I was watching. I mean, just, and again, looking at that top down view that they would sometimes show on the screen of just the placement of the characters, they were always playing as a cohesive group. I mean, it was just amazing to see that. And as a result, it was just difficult for them to get kills. I mean, sometimes you'd be able to crack through uh, one of the other team's strategies and then they'd pay for it. But like, I mean, even ultimates, like like if you saw McCree, like, like um, this is another player that I was just really uh, enthralled with, which was Pine. And Pine was actually on the bench. He apparently he they did the team itself wasn't using the the player until kind of the latter part of the the, the round itself. They brought him in, and he was playing as McCree. And the guy was just you know McCree also is is just is he's not a character that you assault with like you would Soldier seventy six right he's a character that plays along the outskirts or the fringes. Like he likes to try and get the drop on you. He'll do some shots and then he'll go yeah. run and hide and he'll try and come back somewhere else where you don't expect him. Surprise flashbang. Yeah. So th- from that standpoint, that like just, it was amazing to watch him have the amount of aggression and ultimately map control. Like, like just being able to take out as many of the opposition as he was, as McCree, I mean that that was just a joy to watch. But also another two, another round. I don't know if it was Pine, um, but there was someone who was playing as McCree, and he did his ultimate was about to take you know players out on the other team, and the opposing team had a Genji on the team that ended up deflecting uh, McCree's ultimate back at McCree and taking him out with just, just perfectly timed. And as a result, then, then suddenly they had the, the upper hand for a temporary basis. Someone's done that to me once. <laughs> I wasn't happy. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get them all. And then again, goes oh, ping. like, oh. uh-huh. Man, that was not a good night. Well, do you have any last thoughts before we sign off? No, Russ, that was my last thought. Your very last thought? Indeed. Well, then in that case, this about wraps it up. We want to tell you to be sure to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for (laughs) Joygasm TV in addition to iTunes and Android. Pretty much everything we said in the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv if that's your bag. And last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch. Because, you know, <laughs> despite them spending 90 million bucks on the Overwatch League, you can also see us stream our Overwatch gaming adventures live. And for free. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, happy gaming, everybody.